Welcome to the Longview Podcast, a show for Catholic school teachers, Catholic school teachers, and anyone who works to form young people in the faith. I'm Joe. And I'm Elizabeth, and we're here to bring you conversation, contemplation, and some food for thought. So grab your red pen, your favorite beverage, and enjoy. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Joe. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. How was your Easter? It was awesome. There were lots of chocolate. There was lots of chocolate. There was lots of Diet Coke. Uh, wine. That's what you're going to start with? Okay. I thought you were going to talk about how, like, you know. Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> and we won. We won. Take that, sin and there death. There you go. That's right. Aren't you just refreshed in the the resurrection, and now you can have all the diet coke that you want? Well, that's true. Our two year old, uh, our son, is really enamored with Jesus rising from the dead, and every time he says good night to the crucifix in his room, he says good night to Jesus. He always wants to clarify that Jesus did rise from the dead, even though he's still on this crucifix. <laughs> Why is he still here? I thought he rose from the dead, and then he wants to know he put his clothes back on when he got off. <laughs> he always <laughs> asks me that. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. How did, he said, did it by himself? I was like, yeah, I guess he did it by himself. I don't really know the logistics of how Jesus got his clothes back on after the you know, resurrection, but I, I'm, I promise you, kiddo, that it's fine. That is a great point. <laughs> it's like... Questions it's, you've never thought of. Yeah, Jesus is resurrected, and it's like, well, I still need to be modest. And... <laughs> i got to get some clothes. <laughs> what am I going to do? I've got all these burial cloths. Well, I'll just fold these up and... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I am very much filled with Easter joy. And uh, part of that, too, is like the end is near with the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. You feel like you're on the, down, the downhill yeah, slide. I regained hope again after a good, nice Lent. Yeah. Lots of days in the tomb. Many, <laughs> many, many days in the tomb. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because you probably only have – because you teach mostly seniors, so your, your, your calendar is a little bit short because they'll be getting ready to graduate. Mm-hmm. So maybe what, like four more weeks? Four or five, something mm-hmm. like that. Something like that. Oh, the end is near, my friend. But there's still the task at hand. How much grading do you have in your bag right now? Uh, about that much. That's which... that's like three inches for, yeah. our, for, our, for our listeners who can't see. <laughs> I saw a really great tweet today from Lenny De Lorenzo from Notre Dame, and he said something. It was shout out Lenny. Shout out to Lenny, and basically, the point of his tweet was like. The, the joy that I feel in giving a test because I don't have to lesson plan is like immediately replaced by the same amount of dread because then I have to grade all the tests that I just gave. That, that <laughs> like elation of like, oh, sweet, an easy day, you know? Oh, my kids are taking a test. And then boom, <laughs> now you have to grade it all. But Get to grade it. Get, oh, yeah. Get to grade it. <laughs> Thanks. You always put that positive spin on things. <laughs> No, we have to. You do. It's in your contract. I'm pretty sure you have to. Um. Is well, that enough, is that banter. That's that's gets great banter. Thanks for bantering yeah. with me. I love Easter banter. Easter banter. It's my favorite <laughs> kind of banter. Um, our guest today is a good friend of ours who, um, has been an ace advocate for longer than we've been out of high school, probably. Um, one of the earliest, one of the, the, the front runners for ACE, um, Colleen Santoni is an ACE two. Is that right? Three. Colleen? An ACE three. 
Ace three. An mm-hmm. Ace three. So from the the very early days, and she's currently in Dallas at St. Patrick's Catholic School, and you serve as the assistant principal. Are you still in the classroom at all? I am. I still teach eighth grade religion. I teach three sections in the morning. So I start my day with eighth graders, 14 year olds. It's great. That's a good way to start my day. Good way to start your day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're so glad you're here, Colleen. You just bring so much wisdom and just a sense of calm and like, it's going to be okay. Every time I chat with you, I always leave feeling like, okay, someone has done this before me and they're still, they're still alive to tell the tale. So we're so glad to have you chat with us today. And I'll give a shout out to that. You're, you've been a constant, uh, for me, for us as a teacher, as a friend, as a Notre Dame friend, whether when we were, uh, with you at Notre Dame or when we were back here in Dallas. So I'm just so happy that you've we've been able to to have you kind of watching over us and always supporting us and encouraging us. So we're very selfishly happy to to be able to chat with you. (laughs) Thank you. Likewise. So you are an ACE three. So that was like uncharted territory, probably like, what was it like to sign up for ACE for the third class? Well, I was um, on track to become a physical therapist. And so Um, I think I've told you this story before, Elizabeth, but when I was a sophomore, a friend of mine who had just graduated or had just finished doing Teach for America brought his students, his students from Houston. They're about in fifth grade and um, they had never left their barrio. That's I remember how he described it. He's like, they've never gone an airplane. They've never left their barrio before, but I'm bringing them to Notre Dame. And he said, could they stay in your dorm room with you? And I said, well, of course. And so I had about three little girls in my dorm room and we took them all around campus. It was awesome. And I remember thinking, and it didn't make sense at the time. I remember thinking someday I'm going to bring my students to Notre Dame. (laughs) And then, you know, I had no plan. I had no plans to be a teacher, but I had that vision, you know, seed planted. And then, um, little did I know that ACE was actually being formed that year. Like it was being discussed and imagined and dreamed up. And, um, so, Two years later, when I was a senior, and they did um, kind of the the ACE night to recruit and kind of let tell, get the word out about the ACE program, um, I remember my dad was in town visiting, and I went to it, so he came with me. And at the end, it was an easy sell because at the end, my dad's like, "Where do I sign up? I want to be an ACE teacher." You know, they did <laughs> such an amazing job of you know convincing us that this was this was a real vocation that we could consider despite whatever, you know, um, coursework we were pursuing at the time. So I was like, I do this, you know, I could do years of teaching. Um, little did I know that I would fall in love very quickly and, um, kind of choose this as a forever career. Forever career. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but just to follow back up on my little, um, dream of bringing my students, the very next, my first year of teaching, I ended up bringing one of my students to Notre Dame. Um, as part of the Ace Goes Latin, we were trying to get people to come to Texas and to consider, you know, working with Latino communities. And um, she was my show and tell. And somehow her parents let her come and um, thought that was a good idea. And she ended up becoming an Ace teacher, too, and is now a principal in, um, in L.A., a Catholic school. So that is such a cool early. story. You never know. Yeah. I love that. Well, I mean, I 
I kind of was the similar story that I think my, my ACE teacher, my confirmation sponsor, actually, I, she was a two or a three. She would have been in the same, in the same era, Erin Hayden. And she ended up mm-hmm. teaching in my grade school. And, um, and then, so when I showed up to ACE and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like second generation ACE in a sense, not from my parents, but because I had ACE teachers and people who really inspired me here I am. And that was kind of a cool thing to be, to feel like I was, you know, had, had walked through ACE for a long time through the eyes of my teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I guess I can <laughs> jump in with that too, because I'm thinking of uh, brother Robert Mosier, who's a Holy Cross brother. For some reason, Good Shepherd Catholic and Garland had a Holy Cross brother. And I, I always saw him wearing that anchor around his neck and I didn't make the connection until <laughs> I got to Notre Dame. I was like, wait a second, like this is the same uh, Holy Cross. And so uh, for kind of him to be a model or plant a seed, I guess, for Notre Dame. But then, I mean, I'm teaching back at my high school, so I also have to give a shout out to all my former teachers as well. So just the, the, the beauty of your, your students becoming teachers. And now I've experienced that as well with some of my earliest students are uh, back at Jesuit, which is crazy. I also wanted to to jump on that story about your dad being there because I think for a lot of people when they, you know, as they're finishing up their, I don't want to say multi-million dollar Notre Dame education, but many, many, many dollar (laughs) Notre Dame education and then turn to their parents and say, oh, by the way, I'm going to go do this teaching program. I think that can be a hard sell, but I think ACE does a really good job of bringing parents into the mission, especially through the the parents retreat that they do in the summer, the second summer. Um, I mean, my parents had seen ACE firsthand, so that wasn't hard for me, but I, I can imagine that for a lot of people that, that can be a difficult sell. But I think ACE has identified that and brings people in and helps them drink the Kool-Aid quickly to see like, no, this is a really important mission and this is, this is a serious vocation. Um, so, yeah. Tell me one of your favorite moments in the classroom like a moment of victory with a student or a hilarious moment or an absurd moment it's one of your favorite classroom stories hmm, okay well one of the things that I do um at the end of eighth grade year and actually I do it the last quarter is and I do this on purpose you know when eighth graders are kind of heading out mentally emotionally they're they're checking out and you got to get them to sit in the classroom for another eight to, you know, eight weeks and be engaged. Um, the last unit I do is on morality and relationships. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing that they are, they cannot wait to get to class. They are sitting like ready to roll, pens out, pencils. And literally at the end of class, they're begging me, please, can we keep talking? Please, can we do that other work online so that we can just talk about this in class? And I love that because it just tells you where they're at, you know, emotionally and developmentally, that relationships are important. They care about, you know, um, what's good, what's right. Um, And I feel like it's just such a perfect time as they, you know, transition to high school to um, engage them in those conversations. And um, so that's always fun for me because when things are starting to wind down, we're all so energized in the classroom about this. Like I literally come out of there pumped up, you know, because it's just been so fruitful and so, um, 
such great conversation with the with the kids. So that's really um, really smart. I love the way you do that because you you do have that temptation to just like well let's just slide for the last few weeks like it doesn't really matter. Right. But to get something in there that's very important and so engaging, that's really smart. I'll say. I mean, lit- go ahead. As a math teacher, I have experienced the exact opposite of that. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Good for you. Like, what else could you possibly teach us at this point (laughs) that's valuable? That's amazing. Especially for seniors, I can can imagine. Oh, yeah. And then just a few other things. There's, like, um, a few students. I have one student who is painfully um, shy. It is so hard for her to speak up in class. And she has such great ideas and her reflections are so powerful on paper um but the thought of sharing them literally paralyzes her and so um she you know I I've told her over and again yeah because sometimes I'll just meet with her one-on-one and we'll kind of go through her presentation because it's so hard for her to get up in front of people but just during Lent we do um oh we do Stations of the Cross on Fridays and I always have two eighth graders as lead the the reflections. And there was this one week where I called for volunteers from her class and her hand went up and I tried not to, you know, make it look like a big deal. But of course I pick, I was hesitant to pick her because I'm like, you don't say anything, you know, you don't like to get up. Are you sure you want to do this? And, um, but I picked her and her voice was so strong and so confident and so, powerful when she was up there and it's just great to see that it's great to see when when students get to the point where they're willing to take a risk and willing to put themselves out there um especially when it's out of their comfort zone so um it's moments like that that I think I I treasure um from from the classroom and from interactions with the kids so Yeah, I have a, that actually rings a bell for me, the same kind of thing where you have a student who just like never talks and that feeling of, it's like, it doesn't matter if they got the answer right or what their grade was. Like, it's not so much about the academics. It's about the formation of the person and to have created an environment where they feel confident and they feel comfortable sharing themselves that, that really is a huge victory. You know, it's, we were laughing the other day about I, I couldn't tell you anything that I learned in my, you know, AP whatever class, but I can remember the, the feel of it, the, the, the teacher and the way the teachers share themselves and, and the, the, the esprit de corps among the class. Like that's what stands out to me in some of those high school classes that just kind of fade away or middle school classes, you know, you don't remember the, the, the details, but you remember the feel of it. And that's, I mean, that's really what we do in Catholic education is we, we form the mind, but we form the heart and the whole person. And that's really our mission. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I've, um, I really do believe that they, that students remember what we say to them, how we say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the look that we, the, the way we look at them, you know, mm-hmm. like if they notice, if you greet them and, um, I've had stu- I've asked students before in journals, what's one thing a teacher could do to make a difference, you know, for you that would make school better? Mm-hmm. And I would say about 50% of them said something to the effect of smile at me, just like wow. acknowledge me, yeah, you know, wow. like make it look like they know that I'm there, you know? And it was that simple. Like they they saw that as a way to transform their experience at school. 
Um, so I, I, I agree. I think that's really powerful the way, the way we interact with them. Yeah. I think I, I've worked in, in definitely been in situations where I saw that the adults were not treating the children like people. And that's one of my big pet peeves It's like children are people and they, they want to be treated like people. And I think a lot of times as adults, we get busy and we think that what we're doing is really more important. And, but you, Sometimes that kid really has to go to the bathroom and they need to interrupt you about that. And it is a big deal for right. them, you know? It <laughs> is. Um, yeah, to remember how important it is to see our children, our students, as annoying as they may be or as, you know, whatever, out of line as they may be. They're people and they have needs and they have feelings and a smile can go a really long way. It's true. I agree. Definitely. Let's move now into our time of prayer and we have a very short passage for today that comes from Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. What are you hoping for? What are the unknowns in your life right now? How does faith help you to be open to Christ in these unknowns? Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Colleen, what did you want to share about this particular verse? So I, I think I picked this. This really struck me the other morning when I was reading, um, because I feel like during this time, this season of the year, the season of the the rhythm of the school year, you know, we're, we're post Easter. Um, we're in that resurrection time that time of, of, okay, Jesus is alive. He did come back. He is who he said he was, you know, and, um, which is, which is an exciting time for us as Christians. And yet at the same time, we have the reality of the unknowns in our life and in our personal journeys. And, and I think, especially as a teacher of eighth graders, um, I see their restlessness. I see their, their excitement and, um, anxiety as well. And the parents too, I'm amazed at how anxious parents are about the unknown of, high school and what's ahead and, um, all the dreams they, and they have for their own kids. And, and when I, when I think about my role as a teacher, um, in their lives, I think I, I feel a sense of urgency. You know, I feel this sense of like, kind of like taking tally and going through the list. Like, did I cover it all? Did we tell them everything they need to tell? Did I love them enough? Are they, are they aware of their belovedness? Are they confident in who they are? And just, all the things that we imagine when we think about our mission and our purpose in Catholic schools and um, are they ready? And I, and I just picture them as these little satellites, kind of these pods being launched from St. Patrick or from, you know, our schools going off to these high schools and just praying that they have all the, the tools that they'll need um, to be their best selves and to, to love well and to, you know, to be in a relationship and to, to be risk takers and to not be afraid to go out there and fail and, you know, just, and grow. And so I feel like, I feel like that this, 
scripture speaks to me, um, especially at this time, as I imagine, like, takes a lot of faith, you know, like there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of um, things we can't see, we won't see um, for our own lives and for, our, you know, the things that we have planned for our children and our students. And how do we, you know, trust the good, the seeds planted? How do we trust the process and, and have faith um, that that all will be well? So I think it's it's that time of the year where this really is, is kind of a, a theme for me um, as a teacher and as a parent. Yeah, I I like the way that you kind of draw that contradiction for many people, you know, in our church life, it is Easter and it is the joyful time of the resurrection, but it doesn't necessarily mean that in what's actually happening in our day-to-day lives that we're feeling that calm and that joy and whatever it is, be it, you know, uncertainty about eighth grade moving on to, to high school or jobs or, you know, um, just big decisions or, or suffering or whatever it is that sometimes to live, to live Easter in the day to day can be hard. But I think that's, that's the point of Christianity is like, we know that this is not the end. We know that, you know, he wins in the end and we trust that he's bringing all things along for our good. And, um, you know, what that's Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, you know, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future full of hope. But when you're in the trenches of, of not knowing, that's really, those are, those are words of comfort, but it's hard to really sometimes believe it when you, when you can't see what's next. Would you say, Colleen, what, what I'm thinking about is like, you know, especially since you, you've um, taught so long and have had generations of students and generations of parents you know, are, are we, is the culture changing? Like, are we wanting to be more in control and wanting to be more, you know, having things planned out? Like, are we, or is it the same? Is it, you know, we're, we're just as, as, as wanting, just as worried, just as anxious as usual. I I feel maybe, I don't know, obviously a bias, but I don't, I don't think I worried as much as uh, my students worry now. And maybe is it, a, is it a pressure thing that comes from within, from outside, from their parents? But uh, this this need to to be perfect, this need to to have it all planned out and have it all figured out, and because um, when you're when even when when you're saying about trust and and, and it's speaking to me, it's like like no, I don't trust God because I do like having <laughs> things planned. I do want to be in control. Right? I don't want to 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 worry, or I can do it myself, you know, and to depend on God or to depend on others. I mean, it's, 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 it's easier. Or I, I guess it's natural for me to trust God when it's something that I cannot control. Like when, when it is suffering or when it is a big struggle, but when it's like just the simple day to day, it's like, uh, you know, I know because I was like, no, I got this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, you know, I, I think I, it does feel like students are anxious and, and worried and, you know, trying to live up to um, image, certain images or, or expectations that are imposed from all different parts of their lives. And I, you know, one of the, a couple of the things that we've tried to do um, at St. Patrick to really address that is, um, I know you both have heard of growth mindset, and that was something Dr. Um, Dweck a couple years ago wrote a book, um, Mindset. And Right when it came out, um, 
Frank, my husband, heard about it on an NPR show. And he does this thing where he's, he goes and gets these books for me and says, I think you'll really like this book. And then he knows I can't put it down and I'm taking it in, I'm reading it. And then he like has me download, like he asks me along the way. And then he acts as if he's read the book and, you know, uses <laughs> the information. So when he wants a book, like he wants information from a book, he's like, I think you'll like this. And then I read it and give him all the, you know, the highlights that he needs. And he's like, okay, great. And I see him use it. I hear him like talk about it as if he's read it. So <laughs> Mary it's, it's Facts. This yeah, is it is. It totally, put in my it totally is. <laughs> he's the librarian. He brings me the good stuff. And then I share the info that he then uses, but it works. It works. I, I wouldn't have found the book otherwise, but it really was um, transformative for me as a parent and as a teacher to really shift the way that I talk to my students about failure and about, you know, like not having to be no at all. And that, and it's good for me too, you know, like what it means to like mess up and just the science behind it, how much our brains grow when we are making mistakes and we're having to work through something and we're struggling through something. And so I found, I found myself instead of saying, Oh my gosh, you were so smart saying, wow, you really worked hard on that, you know, Mm -hmm. and you, I can tell that you did not give up. And I know that was hard and you stuck with it anyways. And look at the fruit, you know, and they hear that so differently than you're really smart. They Mm -hmm. don't know how to repeat that smart thing that they did, you know, necessarily versus, Oh, I can try hard again. You know, I know Mm -hmm. what that feels like. I know what that looks like. And, Um, so that's really helped me, um, to rethink how I interact with my students and my children, um, and how I even think myself about, okay, if I blow it, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to tell them the story. They're going to hear it, you know, or I'm like, okay, this is new. I've never done this before. We're going to try something together and let's see what happens, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just, it creates this like openness to vulnerability to, you know, um, to trying something new and being okay with that. So you've been at St. Pat's for how long? How You've been there a while, right? This is my ninth year. I'm finishing my ninth year. And how long have you been in admin there? This is my third year. Third year. So what was mm-hmm. it that encouraged you or required you to step up <laughs> to the admin role? How did that transition go? You know, sometimes I think, oh, how did I end up here? How did that happen? (laughs) But, you know, I I had been teaching um, part-time religion. And then, you know how when you say yes to things, your job description kind of grows. Mm -hmm. And so it went from, you know, my my teaching classes with eighth grade and then things started getting, um, I became this um, director, director of spiritual life and took on some new roles and new programs there. And then as our principal um, of the time who hired me, you know, was talking about transitioning, she was, you know, retiring from Catholic education, they start, you know, they had kind of a, a, a vision in place and our assistant principal was hoping to become principal. And then, you know, you just kind of get drawn in. So I can't tell you exactly how it all happened or how I said yes or what I was thinking at the time, but <laughs> it just happened, you know, it, it's kind of evolved to that. It seemed like the next natural step. So tell me about the director of spiritual life. Are you still, is that still part of your job description and what is that role in your school? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I, it's, um, 
I think initially the idea was for me to focus on Catholic identity and really to help take that pillar, um, pay attention to it, keep it at forefront. Um, when we talk about mission and we wrote, rewrote our mission and, um, and, and so that, when I think about director of Catholic identity, I don't even know what, where to start with what that means. You know, like it's so hard to put your finger on what does it Catholic identity mean? And so kind of director of spiritual life, um, I think I borrowed that title from someone at ACE, <laughs> like an, an ACE title. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And that kind of sounds like it's more encompassing of the things that I did as far as working with teachers um, on, on their own, you know, paying attention to spiritual formation of teachers. And then the work that I did with, you know, my own students. And then just, again, the mission focus, you know, like how, how does this fit with our mission as we made different decisions and, I supported the administration in, in, you know, in that. So it's one of those, again, evolving kind of titles. I'm really intrigued by that because I think a lot of Catholic schools struggle with the Catholic identity component, struggle to make it authentic because how do we, it sometimes can feel like we're just checking boxes and saying like, okay, we did that. We put up the crosses in every room and we have mass once a week and we do stations once in Lent. And I mean, what more can we do to be Catholic? And I guess what I'm really intrigued and interested in is like, how do we create authentic spirituality and authentic Catholic identity in our schools? That's, that becomes what drives everything else that we do. And I don't know if, is there anything that kind of stands out as something you're really proud of that St. Patrick's does or something that's worked really well or you know, anything that might be helpful for other people? Well, like I said, when we, when we redid, we wrote our mission statement, we decided to um, keep it short and sweet so that, um, that we could say it, that we would know it and that the kids could say it. And so we do say it every day, every morning, every, if you ask any student at St. Patrick, what is the mission statement? They should be able to tell you. We are called to embrace the gospel and transform the hearts and minds of our St. Patrick community. And so I love when I describe that mission, I think, you know, I love the word embrace because I just picture us like wrapping your arms around Jesus, wrapping your arms around the gospel and holding on for, you know, dear life and just like embrace it, hold on. And if we do that, you know, transformation is possible, you know, in, in our relationships and in the things that we say and that we do. Um, so we've really tried to incorporate that, that into um, kind of our discipline, the way we, we ask students to reflect on choices and our commitment to um, our guidance program and to, um, the way we talk to students. And, um, so I feel, I feel like it's really that helping our students to be known and loved and to like reflect it in all of our interactions with them. Um, because that's what, and that's what they tell us makes a difference, you know, is that, um, and then at the, at the, at the administrative level, like we hold up our mission and our, and our vision, which is really for our graduates like what do our graduates look like how do they act and that they are able to use their god-given gifts and to live wholeheartedly and engage in their communities and um use it to serve and to be other centered and so you know that's kind of our measure are we doing that like our and and the good news is, is that we hear that from you know from high schools and from the students who come back that that that's what they're seeing. And so that's kind of our, our measure is if, you know, whether or not we're accomplishing that mission or, or incorporating that, that well. Mm -hmm. So 
from hearing Elizabeth's question before, you know, we have we can measure things like the external things, like you said, with crosses and mass and these activities. But what I'm hearing from you, Colleen, is, you know, that the, the mission, uh, the message, the goal has, has been really internalized. You know, it's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. And I mean, I think, too, that the, the internal thing comes from you know, that back to why we even started this podcast in the first place is we want to offer spiritual formation for, um, for teachers. And so, you know, at the heart of any school is its faculty and, and, and being able to, you know, everything, how you interact, how you discipline and how you encourage and affirm if all that's rooted in that very clear, it's a very beautiful mission statement. And so that makes a lot more sense to me, I think, when, uh, you know, now that, if someone asks like, you know, about Catholic identity, it's like, it's easy to do the external things. It's, it's the internal embracing it, like you said, and, and have it really affect and decide everything. I mean, how do you, how do you, <laughs> I guess, let me ask, how, how do you, how do you sell that? How do you, how do you get uh, your faculty to respond to that, um, to embrace that, you know, and not just check the box, I guess. good question you know we we do try to um, find ways and you know and sometimes teachers are are resistant you know like it's that we 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 do the growth mindset we have a growth mindset cohort cohort for our teachers and so we're encouraging them to you know practice that as well in their own lives and we um we have a wednesday morning kind of before school prayer that teachers can opt into and um we this year for our our mission and ministry day we um had a speaker and some time for reflection but then we all went and did service together um because we you know we want to make that if we're going to tell the students to do that and that's who we are and you know kind of hands hands in um in the work and then we you know wanted to model that as well and 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 do that as well with our teachers and so um you know just finding ways to challenge people to grow and um this year actually Actually, between January and February, we had six parents um, deaths in our community. Oh, and that wow. I know oh it was gosh. five, five, yes, five teachers and a student's father died. And it was literally every week for about six weeks straight. And so you really see the beauty and the strength of a community in moments like that and mm -hmm. the suffering, you know, mm -hmm. like in the in how people are present um, during that. And so it was a beautiful thing. I mean, there was a lot, there was obviously a lot of, of mourning and a lot of, um, some were unexpected, some weren't, but, um, but that accompaniment, that presence, that, that the spiritual life of the school was very alive. And then you saw it in the parents and in the children and, and the staff and, and families. It was, it was beautiful. So, wow. We, yeah, we talked in our last episode about when students die or when, you know, young alums or members of the community die. And we talked about how important it is to realize that the Catholic school is is a place that allows the larger community to mourn together and how important that mm -hmm. is. And that's not one of our roles that we usually think about. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, life happens in a Catholic school and therefore death happens in a Catholic school community, too. So that is really important to remember as one of our, you know, one of our corporal works of mercy is bury the dead and, and to walk with those who are mourning 
Um, and you never know what, what is going to come at you when you're in a Catholic school because of all, you know, you have, you have all kinds of needs that people have. Um, but to be able to walk together in those with this, with a sense of Catholic identity. And we do this because we are Catholic and because we are Catholic, we, we walk together in the same mission. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's very consoling. Let me ask you to, uh, kind of change your hats here because you are, we're blessed to have you as one of the first, if not, you know, yeah. One of the first who, um, is also a parent who has uh, sent their children to Catholic schools. And so, you know, you, you speak, spoke very beautifully of from the teacher side and Catholic education and Catholic mission and Catholic identity. So can you speak to at the very least to Elizabeth and I and, and us and, and hoping to sacrifice and provide a Catholic education for our sons and, you know, how, wh why that's important to you and, and why that's, you know, worth obviously the, the financial burden is, is out there, but like at the same time there, we find great value in that. And so like, what is it? Uh, just speak to the parents out there, speak to the potential parents out there. Okay. I would love to, um, actually, cause this is something that's on my mind all the time. And, um, this last end of the summer last year, one of, um, my mentors, my, probably my biggest mentor, father, Don McNeil, he passed away. And, um, when I was an undergrad, he had been a mentor of mine. I did several programs with him and really called me out to do, you know, kind of stretch myself and, um, and try things that I probably wouldn't have tried if he, he hadn't asked. And he, he's hard to say no to. You find yourself saying, okay, sure. And it seems like the most logical thing to do. And then you're like, what am I doing? You know, like, how did I get here? Um, but, he also invited me to um, return to Notre Dame and to work at the Center for Social Concerns. And he married Frank and I. And so just played a really important role, you know, and you don't always realize it when you're in it. But as you, you know, you reflect back, um, it's amazing how powerful mentors can be in your life. And so my prayer has been, especially as my children are in, you know, Catholic schools and two are in high school, they're Jesuit with, I know Joe keeping an eye on them. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. Um, but as I think about that, my prayer has really become, um, how my, my prayer has been about their mentors is I just pray for the people who will invite them to do things, the, the people who will ask them, um, to consider something maybe out of their comfort zone and the people who are going to call them to do the things that if I asked them to do now, you know, they'd be like, yeah, that's not a good idea because my mom thought of it, you know, <laughs> you know, I really pray for that. And that, that has been such a gift to know that they are surrounded by people like Joe, who has invited my children to do many things. I'm very grateful. And they have said, yes, if I had suggested it, it would have been a no. So thank you, Joe, for being one of those people that have walked with them. Um, but but for all the, you know, the wisdom that they get and the insights that they get and the, the perspectives that I don't have or I wouldn't have given them because they're not part of my experience. So um, so for me, that's been a huge value in their Catholic education is knowing that they are surrounded by faith filled people with a mission on a mission to really um, help them to be become who they are, who they're meant to be. So that's that's probably the biggest um thing that i that's been on my mind my mind lately as far as parenting and catholic schools so that's great we need to start praying for our kids mentors mm -hmm. yes really pray for all the people around them 
So. Yeah, it's in our stage of parenting right now. And, you know. It's all about you. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it is. Just, it's all about you. And just to tie it in with your gospel, with, you know, entrusting into the unknown and, 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 and having faith in, in God working and all that. And it's like, you know, who knows who that mentor, that teacher is. Right. That's going to be the person that speaks to them and allows our, our children to hear exactly what they need to hear at that point. That'll help them grow closer to who they are, who God calls them to be. And I think that's, I think that's the tension, right? It's like, do I trust? Right. I think that goes back to my issue before. It's like, do I trust God or not? Do I trust the Holy Spirit working through this institution or not? Is is God present in the in in these teachers and in in working with uh, the students? And so, uh, I mean, that's definitely. I mean, that that answers it for me. I think, you know, you can't deny that um, a, a school that is so you know. That their their Catholic identity and their mission is is so present and thriving that like how can I not send my children here? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is exactly. working. Yeah. Exactly. So, um um and I have to tell you, I had Frank and I, you know, because Noah's a junior and so he is, you know, slowly transitioning away and out. And I feel it as a mom, I feel like is, you know, I feel it profoundly. But, um, still blows me away that he's so driving. We, that, that that makes no sense uh, to me. Me too, but I'm so grateful for it. It changed our lives. <laughs> um, but he, but Frank and I had this. I don't know what it was. What struck us one night? We started talking, and we're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like we, he's hardwired. He like he is like all the stuff that we've put in. We've run out of time to put in, input into him. You know, like he is who he is. And did we get enough in there? And did we, you know, and, you know, it was like this moment of panic. And then we thought, okay, Alex, we still have a little bit of time with him. And Luke, he's our only hope. You know? <laughs> Any wisdom, any wisdom we have, we're going to just push it all into him. You know, like what we've learned, our mistakes. And really, it was weighing on me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what, you know, we're about to send him off. Are we, are we ready? Is he ready? You know, and, um, and I was at Jesuit. The next day, the morning after, how the spirit works, the morning after, and I'm there for a meeting for teachers and admins to learn kind of about the process for applications there. And and I felt like a teenage girl. I was giddy. I'm like, okay, what if I run into them? I might see them in the hall, maybe between their classes. You know, <laughs> either one of my boys. Like, you know, just the excitement of running into them, you know, but, but play it cool. You know, you don't want to embarrass them or, you know. <laughs> so I'm thinking that, you know, and then they say, okay, we're going to go for a tour. And so... We go through the halls and I, you know, I'm looking, I'm trying to casually checking out, you know, the hallways, peeking into the cafeteria and I don't see them. And it's actually between um, classes. And so they're all in class and I'm going to this one session and they're like, it'll be about 45 minute long session. And it, I was going to the um, language art, the English one to, to, to hear about kind of the English program. So I'm going and I'm like 45 minutes. I should probably, you know take a quick stop at the ladies room and so I quietly ask the person who's taking us to the classroom I said could you um is there a ladies room close to here you know that I could that I could run to really quickly and he said oh sure and he kind of directs me well as I turn the corner and I was you know in the classroom that I had needed to go to was right there as I turn the corner I look into the first room on the right and there's Noah like the only student in the IT room you know like getting help on his computer and he's walking towards me and 
all my cool factor went away because <laughs> I see him and my arms like fly up and I go, oh, like, I've been looking for you, you know, like, totally give myself away and my arms pop up and within a few seconds, I'm hugging him in the middle of my work day. I'm hugging my teenage son at school and there's no other student around. Every single other kid is in class. For some reason, Noah's not, but he was in my arms and he says that the teacher that's with him over his shoulder as I'm hugging him says, oh, he told me that his mom was going to be here this morning. Oh. And then Noah says to me, I heard your voice. Oh. And that's all he said. He goes, I heard wow. your voice. And I'm like, but I was so discreet about it. I'm like, oh gosh, was I that loud? I had to go to the bathroom, you know? But, but, I th- but it gave me such peace. It was like this reassurance that he does know. He's heard your voice a million times. He knows the values, the things that you guys have kind of put in the system, you know? Mm-hmm. He's got it. He heard your voice. And and he didn't turn the other way. That was the best part. He didn't go, uh oh, my mom's here. I'm hot, you know, like hide around the corner, look busy. Um, but he was already halfway towards the door, you know, Aww. when he heard my voice. And so when I think about, you know, again, the scripture and just this journey in Catholic Catholic schools, I think about am I as a teacher, am I as a parent, like hearing God's voice? You know, am I listening for it? Is it around the corner? And am I running towards mm-hmm. it when I hear it? And um and that's why I love Catholic schools, you know, is that we get to, even though there's so much unknown, even though there's, you know, like I have zero control over most things, there's that voice, that reassurance, that faith that, yeah, right around the corner, you know, and you can run towards it. So mm. um, that, that's been, that was such a, a gift that day, you know, I just, and actually I texted Frank after that. I'm like, we're not terrible parents. He's going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> Literally, that was in my text. It's going to be okay. He's like, okay, good to hear. <laughs> so I was probably more worried than him. But you know, I love that. Those. That's such a great story. Yeah. So much consolation. It was such a gift. Yeah, it was. It was definitely so grateful. That, so. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. You always, like I said before, you have so much wisdom and you bring such a sense of peace and calm joy and joy whenever we chat so (laughs) i really appreciate you spending time with us tonight thank you all for doing this this is really fun that wraps up our episode for today thanks so much for joining us here on the longview podcast if you enjoyed our conversation be sure to subscribe on itunes to be up to date on our latest episodes also share our podcast with a friend another teacher an ace friend your mom, anyone that you think would enjoy our conversation. Your reviews and comments on iTunes help us to show up in the search bar, so we always appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Dallas Ace Advocates, and we're also on Twitter at Dallas Advocates. We'll see you here next time on the Longview Podcast. Mm-hmm.